Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm LaCharles and you're listening to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the word, promise, can you open this up in prayer? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for today and just coming into our midst and staying there and opening our eyes to what you have to say and just opening the eyes of other people as our brothers and sisters in Christ continue to share the message that you've given them and do what you've told them. And Lord, I also just thank you for just providing a way of escape for every temptation. Giving us a warning and saying, hey, this is coming along. Instead of just allowing us to do it by our own strength. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome, everybody. We're continuing our study in 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 10. And let's get to the word, shall we? Can I get a volunteer to read from verse 15 through 22, please? I will. All right, Kyla, go for it. I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of, in the blood of Jesus of Christ? Is not the bread which we break of sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we are, we who are many are one body, for we are partakers of the one bread. Look at the nation Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices share in the altar? What do I mean then? What That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? Mm. Thank you. That's, there's a lot in there. So we're going to open the floor to you guys first. right? To share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you about this. And to ask any questions that you may have. All right? Yes. Okay. Who would like to begin? If no one else wants to begin, I'll go. Well, go for it, sir. So, the Lord was showing that originally, I didn't understand why the Lord didn't like idols. So, he was asking the Lord last week why he didn't like idols. And I said, well, I know that you're the real God and that you don't like that. But the Lord told me that when they're carving images out of things, they're not ruining. They're making the creation that the Lord made to sin. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's not fulfilling its actual purpose. That's good, sir. So what you're saying is, oh, so we'll, we'll go back, right? In Genesis, everything that the Lord created, he said what? It was good. It was good. Which, when you go into the language and what it means, is really saying it was suitable, suitable for its purpose. purpose. Exactly. What the Lord created it to do. So... When it's taken and twisted, 
or manipulated and made into an idol, then it is, or what is happening is you are twisting it from its initial purpose or plan that the Lord had given for that thing. Whether that's us, the trees, or whatever it is, right? And no, we're not saying you can't build houses, and right, no, because the Lord created these things for us. He gave us dominion over everything, right? Yes. Okay. However, it wasn't to worship those things. Yes. That's why David says in Scripture, the trees clap their hands to the Lord and worship Him. Right? And there's, there's other yes. things as well. He talks about the stars in the sky. Right? Everything was created to worship the Lord. But in making it an idol, it is not worshiping the Lord, then is it? No, you're causing it to sin. You're causing it to sin. Because it was created, as we are, to worship the Lord. Yes. Instead of being worshipped. Yes. So... It's uh, that's good. Thank you for sharing that, sir. Then the Lord is also talking to me about how I said, well, I know, th- since I know that it's making it sin, making it sin, knowing that, knowing that people know this already, that knowing, making these images and making it sin, then why would they serve it? And the Lord, I said, well, after all, they're the one who made that image. The rock didn't form itself into a statue. It didn't suddenly break pieces of it off itself and form itself into an image of a person or whatever. A man came in with a chisel or whatever and started chipping away at it. Okay. So, the Lord showing that it's one of the main reasons as main reason as, as a tripping, stumbling block, I mean. To make man sin and put the thing he's manipulating on a golden stool and going, this is better than me or everything else that's here. And the Lord was also talking to me about, he tied it back to that, if they're making images of a person, they're basically worshiping themselves. Mm-hmm. Doesn't the Lord talk about that in Scripture? Yes. How people worshipped the created rather than rather than the, the creator? creator? Yes. So, uh, I'm glad the Lord was revealing those things to you, sir. And even in what he was showing and sharing with you, while you did not cover Scripture, as we were discussing, clearly it only shows or proves what the Lord said long ago. It, it confirms his word, is what I'm saying. It's not something new. This has been his message to us every generation since the beginning. Right? Yes. What else? And the Lord is also showing me that based on that, not necessarily theory, but the truth, he said, Practically, whenever someone does it multiple times, that's what all the sin's based off, having an idol. The money, if you're, the money is the root of all evil. 
necessarily the love of money. No, no, no. Love of money, sir. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. That they're putting the the love of money as an idol. So it's making them not unless they're serving it. Mm-hmm. Well, when he talks to Saul, King Saul, what does he say? About money, about greed. Because we talked about, you brought up the love of money. Typically, that has to do with greed, right? Yes. Okay. What does he say about it? Do you remember? I do not. I'm looking it up right now. He says, greed is as idolatry. And then he says, and rebellion, or witchcraft, is as rebellion. Right? I know you're looking it up. But, but that is what it says. It's all sin, but understanding the Lord's perspective on things matters. Again, it's not that we can't have money. It's when we pursue money and or have a love of money more than we have a love for God is where it becomes an issue. Yes, Dad. So, thank you for sharing that, sir. Who else? I also found verse 21 interesting where he, he was talking about that you cannot drink from the cup of angels and from the cups of demons. The Lord was showing me that there is some cases where people are misguided in their understanding of what's supposed to happen, and they eventually, I won't say eventually, they get played by the enemy. They're used in some way. But the Lord will show me that what he's saying here truly is that it's an act of participation and drinking of the cup of demons, like with the meat sacrifice to idols. If they didn't tell you what it was and you ate it, you go into it with a clean conscience. You're not guilty of doing it because you're supposed to eat all things as to the Lord. But if you knew the sacrifice to idols, that's when it becomes totally different. And then it's sin, and the same is true here. While you may not understand what's wrong with that, it's still wrong. But when you have a full understanding of, okay, this is clearly wrong, and I'm still going to do it, that's when it becomes a problem. Like Kyla said a couple devotionals back, the Lord can't, he's a just God, he doesn't punish you for something you didn't know was wrong. You have understanding of it, and then it's temptation, and you know it's wrong, but you still fall into it. That's when the Lord ju- judges you. Same is true here. That's it. <laughs> it was so abrupt, I wasn't sure. But okay. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Well, I mean, I guess I have a question on verse 21. My Bible reads a bit differently than their Bibles, but it's not that I don't understand the concept of you can't serve two masters. Basically, the concept of you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. But it might have came from, I heard an interesting notion, like people 
that people can serve themselves, that they can be of their own volition and do things because they thought of it in and of themselves. But from the Bible, we know it's not true. If you're not serving the Lord and the Lord is not leading you, that leaves only one option of one other option of who's influencing you. And that's the devil. But, like, how do people transition from this and come into knowing God? First stop is your choice. Exactly. Your choice. And then what does it say? Submit to God. Then resist the devil. And he will flee. Right? Now, we just covered yesterday how... Yes, the Lord will make a way of escape when we are tempted, right? There's trouble that's common to man, but the Lord still provides a way of escape. We still have to choose that course of action. We have to choose to escape, right? Yes. And then there's also no difference. We have to choose to submit to God each and every moment, not just when we feel like it. Not just because, well, it's Sunday morning and uh, I'm about to go to church, so I'm going to submit to the Lord for the next two hours or whatever it is of my life. And then as soon as I walk out of there, go right back to doing the things I was doing, right? That's not, clearly that's not submitting to the Lord. Yes, I, that's what I mean. Like, not that they openly practice witchcraft or anything, but like how people can, like the saying, I guess it's like, Bad people can do good things. Like, it seems like they can do good things, or the Lord can use people. Even, you give the, you've given the example before, Mommy, that if the Lord has already said something, even if the person that's supposed to carry out the act doesn't want to, they can't help but do what God said. How does that apply to this? Well, how does it apply to anything? The Lord spoke, and it happened. And he says that in Isaiah, my word goes forth and it accomplishes all my plans, all his purpose, right? Yes. And it will not return void. So if he spoke it, it will come to pass, regardless of who or what or attempts to resist. It will come to pass. And you see that throughout the entirety of the word. Well, the Lord says, hey, because of your actions, your deeds, which are against me, these things are going to happen. You're, you're going to be taken over. You're going to go into captivity, Right. People resisted. They attempted to fortify their position, right? You see this constantly. You even see it today, right? Well, we'll just get a bigger army. We'll get a bigger, whatever the, you know, armed forces, whatever, a bigger defense. People still think the same way when they're in opposition to the Lord. They go about things by natural means as opposed to us just going, Lord, we submit to you. And whatever you say is good for my life, it's good for my life because every good and perfect thing comes from you, from the Lord, from above, the Father of lights, with whom there's no deviation and no shadow of turning. So it comes down to a choice. What the Lord said will happen, will happen. Whether it is now, in this moment, or whether it's a thousand or however many thousands of years from now, it will come to pass. He called the end from the beginning. At some point, there's going to be an end. Yeah. He already spoke it long ago. He's not telling us every day, hey, the end's coming, the end's coming. He's not, but he is. 
because he keeps giving us all these signs and wonders and, and speaking to us, letting us know that he's returning soon. Right? And you see these, you see similar signs and wonders in every generation throughout the entirety of the word. And we're seeing it and experiencing signs and wonders today that let us know Christ is coming soon. Now, how soon that is, only the Father knows. That's it. But he still is telling us these things. When he created life, the universe, everything, he just spoke it and it came to pass. There's no difference from today. Our choice then is the determining factor, if you will. Are we going to submit to the Lord and do what he says because we love him and we want to be, because of our love for him, we want to be obedient to him? Or are we going to approach things in our own way, which is an opposition? What did he say to his own disciple, Peter, who, who again, after it was revealed who Christ was or who Jesus was as the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, then Peter was like, no, no, you can't die. We're not going to allow that to happen. And Peter, in that moment, was called an antichrist, being against Christ. Yes. Okay? Same with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, people that their, that was their life's work and job, was to study Scripture. All right? And Jesus tells people against them, hey, you're of your father, the devil. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. I and the Father are one, right? Continually, hey, state it plainly for us. Are you the Christ? And he says that three times. And they still refused. They didn't submit to God. That's rebelliousness, which as we just covered when Promise was speaking, that's, uh, or witchcraft is rebelliousness. Or rebelliousness is as witchcraft. Yes. Okay. Either way, it's sin. It's an opposition to the Lord. So, which is what Paul is saying here. And I love how he begins verse 15, right? I speak as to wise men. Now, if, if you have not been with us for the, the beginning part of Corinthians, and I'm, by beginning, I mean uh, the entirety of Corinthians up to this point, Paul is continuously, this entire time, addressing in great detail issues with the church at Corinth. All these things that are in opposition to the Lord, to what he has said and spoken and commanded us in his word to follow. And now he's saying, I'm speaking as to wise men. There's an encouragement and an admonishment in what he's saying, even though he's still addressing issues with idolatry and sexual immorality and and a myriad of other things. And he says it, and then he continues to address issues. But he says, hey, I'm speaking to wise people. Where clearly there's, there's an aspect or element of his hope and his prayer is that they're, they're wise in Christ, which is where godly wisdom comes from. There are two types of wisdom. There's godly wisdom, and then there's wisdom of, angel, of demons, fallen angels. Right? Okay. But he is speaking clearly with the, the hope and the prayer that they come to their, their right place and standing 
using godly wisdom to, as it says, judge for yourselves what I say. Because they should know these things. They, sh- they, they are not unaware of what Paul has, has taught them. Right? He's holding them accountable, but he's also encouraging them, hey, be what you're supposed to be in Christ, in full. It matters. And then he continues. Right? So then there, there's an encouragement and an admonishment to first submit to God. It can't be both. You can't serve two masters, which clearly they had been doing up to this point, serve, try, uh, saying they're serving the Lord while clearly serving the flesh. And it was very evident up to this point that the flesh was winning, that it wasn't reined in, it wasn't buffeted. It first starts with submitting to God, but that's for all of us. It's no different for us today than it was for, as we're discussing right now, the church in Corinth. It matters. And that's a choice each of us individually have to make. I have to make it for myself. You can't make it for me. I can't make the choice for you. And I can say that I want to do it, but really the actions, right? You say you have faith. I will show you my faith by my works. My actions, how I'm actually living and conducting my life will speak volumes beyond what I could ever just say. Now again, Paul is here discussing a lot of issues. What was the fruit? They were saying they were the church. But who were they worshiping? Deep down, when it gets down to the core of it, who were they worshiping? They were professing it was the Lord, but all the actions and behaviors say differently. Which is why he encouraged them in verse 14. Therefore, so as a result of the Lord already making these, this way of escape, take the way of escape, flee idolatry, serve the Lord fully, submit to God. Resist the devil. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Well, John, I think it's you're your communicating, um, and we can't serve two masters. And we think about what Promise was talking about and what God was showing him about the idols. Um, promise, just for clarity, it sounded to me like you were saying, how can these people be so stupid to make something with their own hands and then worship it? Was that kind of what you were saying? Is that part of what you were saying? Yes. Because for us to look at that and go, man, that's just like, how? How could you take something, how could you carve out a mold and then pour gold into it and then chisel it and finally shape it and then say, this is a God that I can worship, right? It just seems crazy. Knowing that your hands, knowing fully well that your hands are the ones that made it, that you sketched the picture, (laughs) you carved it, you did all, you literally did that and you know full well that you did it. Right, but he intended to do it from the beginning. When you say, "Give me all your golden earrings, and I will cast you," I mean, so right. And there's the there's a, there's a, the section of scripture that talks about how a man goes and chops down a tree and takes a piece of wood and uses it to cook his dinner, and the other he carves up to make it an image. And then uh, tying that to what you were saying, John, about serving two masters, I think. Um, and, and please feel free to comment on this. The, the, the what's really happening is is. 
Well, I made one other thing. You made you you tied worship in in there as well too. What are we really worshiping, right? Uh-huh. So that really kind of brings it back into the part that that I wanted to address, and that um, we don't want to worship God. And that's what Satan was saying. They, they, really, what the, what's happening is is the flesh wants to worship itself. It wants what it wants. So they create the idols only so they can justify their behaviors. They're really not as ignorant about the idols they want. They're just trying to do anything they can to drown out the voice of God so they can have what they want. Mm-hmm. And they only want to worship themselves. They only want what they want. They want to be their own master, mm-hmm. which is the real problem. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Romans chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, honey. Continue. Explain. Oh, I'll just read it. I'll read it. It's literally that very thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'll start in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst, among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, who worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged a natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even, this is verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain in their not retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. No mincing words. (laughs) That was pretty clear what you just described, Dean, and what we've been talking about in these um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh-huh. Amen. God's word always says it better. I'll just shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I meant that in, in all seriousness. God's word does it much better. I mean, because there's always the human element of what we read in the Bible that uh-huh. was given. So we have the human flavor of that, but it was still from the Holy Spirit. It's divinely inspired. It's God's true, infallible word there. And uh-huh. it's, it's, 
Was it, that's not a real complicated part of scripture there. No, no, very clear. And you know what I love about the word of God? It's not that idolatry is wrong only if you do it. But if I do it, idolatry is okay. No, no. He has one standard across the board. Idolatry is wrong no matter who's doing it. He has no part, he's no part in that. And I love that his word does not pick and choose whom he will apply to, but it's his standard for everyone, which makes it even clearer for me. Absolutely. And the standard for everyone, but he first carries it out himself. Mm-hmm. The Lord doesn't violate his own word and actually gave us a pattern example in Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Nothing the Lord says and does violates his own word. So, uh, and I'll say this because, as you pointed out, honey, many times we go, oh, well, because. I'm this person, or this is my position, or this is my place. I have certain leeways and freedoms that are given to me. You can't do them, right? Uh, some might call them executive privilege or whatever the case is, right? Mm-hmm. And by exa- uh, you know, whether it's business or serving the nation or whatever the case is, civil service, pick something. It doesn't matter. Take, take a quick example in God's word. Even in the church. What did David do? David walked around on the roof at the time that kings go out to war. He Took, right. exalted himself in a position where I don't need to be the one going out there anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's when he set himself up for the others. I don't want to get deep in that story, but that's... Right. That's a great example. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. But that's not what the Lord does. He's the, the first and only one that can adhere to every word he's ever spoken in full. Not violating it ever. But it's also his... Uh, you know, admonishment to us is follow me, follow my example and the pattern I set forth in my son, Jesus. All right. But that comes with a choice. Are we going to choose to continue in sin or are we going to submit? And, and when I mean submit, I, um, I'm not just saying an area or here or, or I'll submit this, this piece or part of my life. I mean, in full, complete there's no way you can serve a king if, well, I'll serve you in ties only, but I'm going to live however I want, right? Or, or but I, I expect the full blessing and, and protection and everything else that comes with being a citizen of the kingdom, right? Or, or, or nation or whatever that is, right? Just for a natural example. It's got to be in full. You can't violate every law that's, that's on the books for the kingdom of heaven, for the nation that you reside in and expect there not to be consequences. That's just a, an impossibility. Right? Because then what example are we setting for every other citizen? Why should their rights and their freedoms be violated as a result of our actions, but then we want the same fruit and blessings and benefits that everyone else experiences, even though we've oppressed and opposed them. May it never be. Right? We should be the example. And, and by that, I mean, we should be living out our lives as an example in Christ. And if we are doing that, because of our love for Christ, we will also be loving our neighbor as ourself, which, if we're doing that, all the law, all the prophets are fulfilled, 
let's phrase another way, the law, all the teachings of God are fulfilled and everything he's spoken to us and taught us and commanded us will be covered and taken care of. And we won't be exacting or, or violating our, our neighbor. And by neighbor, I mean both those that, that profess to be Christians that are saved and those that are not yet. Everybody, equally. The Lord, yes, has a standard, one standard for everyone. But you see, much of who he addresses in his word are not, to, are not the unbelievers. Why? Because he first says judgment starts with the house. So with the people that profess to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. They profess to be Christians, followers of Christ. Those are the people that he addresses, his people. All right, honey, you brought up this thing uh, the other day, and it was, it was a great, um, it, it speaks to the same thing. He said, I don't cover my neighbor's kids, as in I'm not responsible for them in the, in the form of correction, discipline, and, and setting the tone for their life, if you will. I can cover down on them in prayer, though, right? Why? Because those aren't our kids. Now, doesn't change the, our role as being followers of Christ to live out our lives as an example that they can observe, but I'm not there, and, and it's not my place or my responsibility to dictate the tempo of their lives and what they're allowed to do and to not do. They're not assigned to our care. Right? Yes. Okay. Same thing. Same thing with the Lord. He, the ones assigned to his care, which ultimately it's everybody, but he addresses the ones that profess to be a follower of him. First and foremost. Because we should be living out our lives as a pattern example. And that only comes with submitting to the Lord. That is the choice. Kyle, you asked, how can we, how can we change? How, uh, even if we, we didn't know that these things were wrong, uh, I find that all but impossible. Because even the first, and, and Dean brought this out as a great example, even at the first exposure, there was something in your spirit. And by something, I mean, it was the Holy Spirit ministering to your spirit. This isn't right. And, and even in that moment, the instance, we have a choice of what we're going to do. Are we going to continue in it, or are we going to turn from it? So, now, does it get harder the more we submit to that thing, or worship that thing, which is idolatry? It, it does. It still comes with a choice. So, if someone wants to change, right, and not do that anymore, then submit to the Lord have to submit and you have to stand on that and standing comes with action not just the words we speak although our confession is key absolutely but again it's the faith working with the works with the actions of our confession so there's a lot there <laughs> we're going to pause for today all right um and allow the Holy Spirit to just minister to you. And I want to encourage you, if, if there's something in your life that is, is 
taking the place or that, that has been put in the place of God, I would encourage you to submit to the Lord and bring it before him. And he will help you. He has given us his Holy Spirit to help us. The, yes, the comforter, but also the helper. Right? To lead us, to guide us, who provides a way of escape. Comes down to our choice. So I want to encourage you, choose Christ. Submit to him. And resist the schemes, the temptations, and the devices of the evil one. Who'd like to close out in prayer? I will. All right, LaCharles. Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for your immense blessings, Lord, just giving us the understanding and knowledge to get through the situation with your help, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for helping us in these situations, Lord, and giving us the insight and wisdom needed to fully comprehend what needs to be done, Lord, and to get it done, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for these Bible studies, Lord, and just thank you for the people who are listening to them, Lord, and that they are blessed by these, Lord, and that they continue to grow in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. We are praying for you. So God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.